Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Knights of Ren. It's Allie. And today I am back with more content about the High Republic. Today, Race to Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older with me to talk about this book and some other stuff that we want to talk about because we are never recovered from the rising storm. I'm joined by Hope. Oh I'm God. so happy to be here. Yes. I have the reigning champion spot on my I was about to say, it's so great to have be here. It's so great to be here with the reigning champion, Allie Andrews. I'm oh my God. Just, uh, so, so great. For anybody who doesn't know, between Jay Guys and Jedi and Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, my, my two podcasts, Allie's been on my show more than anybody else. So we jokingly call her the reigning champion because she is. Like I think you've been on like, what, five times between the two shows? I, I remember when you were asking for people for resistance, I was like, I know I've been on a lot lately, but I'd like to no, go like, give me resistance. <laughs> oh, it was so great. We we had Darth Buggles there and broke you. It no, was awesome. We don't talk about Darth Mother, scoop my pooper scooper. Mother, I am Darth Buggles. <laughs> yeah, no, you are officially tied with a bunch of people. I don't think I've had someone on three times yet. But you are now officially tied with a bunch of people. So if you get hey. on there again, you're in the tiebreaker. Tiebreaker, yes. Anyway, let's do our general thoughts about Race to Crash Point. Then we will go full spoilers on everything and do our thoughts about Rising Storm too. Because like I am, I'm so ready because I got my little like post-it notes sticking out of it. I am ready. Yeah. For this. What are your like more general non-spoiler thoughts about Race to Crash Point Tower? Uh, it's a lot more fun than Rising Storm. That is very <laughs> true. I actually, I coming out of Rising Storm, I was actually really scared to read Crash Point Tower because I was like, it's like the other side of like these characters, and like I, I love the High uh, uh, the High Republic Adventure comics. I love those comics. They're they're up there as like one of my favorite ongoing stories. So I'm like, Lula and Zine are in here. I, they're precious babies. I want them to be, not be in this horrible place. So I was actually really scared to read this book. <laughs> and it, I was, to my surprise, like, thankfully, it's because it's a middle grade book. It's like nowhere near as like, you know, rip your heart out and stuff like that. But I like that they still have moments. I really love Lula's arc in this book and ha- letting her have more time to shine because like the thing about comic books is they're so short so like you can't really sit with characters for a very long time because they're constantly moving in like 20 comics <laughs> are usually 48 pages give or take and that's front and back and stuff so like 22 mm-hmm. to 48 and uh so you, you don't get that much time to like actually like be inside their thoughts and like sit with them musing and stuff so I really loved being able to just sit with Lula for however how long is this book like 200 200 pages or something yeah like for 200 pages like actually get to sit with her and that was so much fun and ram is a great new character i really enjoyed learning about ram and how his powers work and they're very interesting and especially in the um free comic book day issue that had him in it too we get to actually see how his powers work and it's just it's so much fun and the bomb racks are cute v18 is amazing i finally got my precious person Sai. I love Cantum Sai so much and just to be able to have them for a little bit as well. Like mm-hmm. I, I I always want more Sai. It's just <laughs> we'll, and we'll definitely get to that. And yeah, this might be my favorite version of the drink gear. <laughs> <laughs> I love the drink gear in this book so much. <laughs> what what were your thoughts of Crash Point Tower? 
I was kind of worried after reading, reading Rising Storm just because I felt like it was the point of no return in a way where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're, we can't get, like, we're just on a downward spiral. So it's crying. Everything's broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like you said, I, I appreciated that while this, this book still had a lot of those moments of like emotion stuff still, it still had a more levity to it. And it was more adventure fun times and in terms of the drengear when i talked about the drengear and i hadn't read this book yet when i was talking about it with cat for our into the dark thing the way she phrased like i get it sending plans super scary but like she made it sound like these would only be like the scariest 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 like creatures ever so i in terms of levity i liked the drinker in this book <laughs> because there was a bit more levity there than I was expecting which was nice <laughs> my, my favorite I love that whole entire passage with the drinker because they reminded me of like fancy food critics of just like <laughs> oh this this meat is is talkative I bet it's really juicy oh this meat is like super spicy like oh and like I had two thoughts at the exact same time one was there needs to be a Gordon Ramsay written drink gear oh just so God. he can just be like, the meat is raw. <laughs> like I, I need a Gordon Ramsay drink gear. And it also reminded me of, and I knew you appreciate this because you're my fellow Gravity Falls fan. It reminded me of Stan Pines and Weird Mageddon when they were talking <laughs> about eating the gnomes and he was just like, shh, the tension makes you chewy. <laughs> and I was just waiting for a drink gear to be like, Oh, they're so they're they're, they're stressed. That makes them really chewy. <laughs> but it's that's so much fun. Oh, talkative meat is often chewy. I find another drink you're noted. <laughs> like it's so yeah, fun. yeah. I, all I could think of was stand pines in that moment, and I lost my mind at that moment. <laughs> this is my favorite version of the drink gear so far, and I think it was because like I, I was so upset over over Rising Storm, um, and so this was just such a much needed book. What makes this book, I think, so good, too, is being on Valo in Rising Storm, everybody else was just visiting Valo, but Ram is actually from Valo. Like, that is his home. And so I like how personal it is for Ram, because he, there's a beautiful moment where he's just standing with Lula overlooking everything, and he breaks down, because it's personal. And you feel that for him. And like his first big adventure is the destruction of his home world. And it's really well done and it's super emotional. And I have been really, really surprised by these middle grade books because I wasn't expecting A Test of Courage to be about four young people processing grief. Yeah. Uh-huh. And <laughs> this is very much the same. It's uh, so much of it is Ram processing his own grief watching his home get destroyed and I really thought that was super well done as well yeah I love when um Star Wars does that and gives us like perspective like per- personal perspective to like disasters like it reminds me of resistance with Kaz and how that's mm-hmm. that gives that really personalizes that uh the destruction of Hosnian Prime and that's why I always emphasize to people resistance is emotional and it does so many significant things just gotta show the resistance love again Can't, never stop yep yep um, resistance is a show that on the surface it seems really lighthearted and stuff like that but when you actually think about what's being said what's happening it's horrifying like the mm-hmm. Slapstick is is the brevity. The slapstick <laughs> is the crash point tower to the rising yep. storm of resistance. Exactly. Yeah, great metaphor. From this point forward, I'll put a timestamp in the notes. So if for some reason you've read Race or Crash Point and you haven't read Rising Storm, which like you could read these books in Sorry. any order. So like if you haven't read Rising Storm yet, we're going to be talking about stuff that happens 
like at the end of Rising Storm. So like it's not the stuff that ties into this book, but it's like other stuff. So we're going to have a memorial for a particular character. If you want to hear our like spoiler discussion of Race to Crash Point, that timestamp will be in the episode description. But now is time (laughs) for the memorial of Lone and Great Storm. I need to give some background um, for if we're going into this memorial and, and why Rising Storm hit me so hard. So immediately in Light of the Jedi, Loden was immediately my favorite character. And I, I've always been a sucker for Twi'leks. They're my favorite aliens. Um, and then the Gazos came along in Resistance and they're very firmly in second place. But like, I've always loved Twi'leks. I always thought they were a great race. I love them so much. And Loden is just so charming. I love him. And he's fascinating. And he's funny. He's so funny. Like one of the first things he does is throw Belle off a cliff. Yes. <laughs> what, what's that phrase? Uh, eat your Padawan for their health and well-being. Probably Loden great time. <laughs> he really truly is the embodiment of everything that makes the Jedi the Jedi. And we are talking spoilers now, right? Yes, we are. Okay, so there's this moment in Rising Storm too, like where he's breaking out and he has the chance and every right to kill Martian right there and then and end it. And he chooses not to because it's not the Jedi way. And that probably definitely sealed his fate, but that moment was so powerful to me that he, after all, like a year of torture and a year of being beaten down and like having everything taken from him, he still chose not to kill Marcion, which was just so powerful and emotional. And according to Kevin Scott, that ending was actually the nice ending. Because <laughs> um, our, our buddies over at Friends of the Force interviewed Kevin Scott, and he said that it was a nice ending because originally Bell and Loden were not supposed to meet again. And as he was writing the book, he just couldn't do that to Bell. So Bell instead had like one last final moment where he got to see that like Loden was still the man that he was under there and was like still powerful and strong and looking for trouble. And he, and he was still there. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. But like, <laughs> I, I fell in love with Loden right away. And he quickly became my favorite. He's still, even now, like, is still my favorite character of the High Republic mm-hmm. to the point where now I write fan fiction about him. Um, <laughs> check it out. And when I was reading Rising Storm, this book is already very brutal, but it hit me really hard because about halfway through the book, in my real life, I had a friend very suddenly pass away. So I, I was grieving and mourning in my real world. And it became an exercise of how to separate, like, text from real world feelings and grief because I was like at least Loden's here and <laughs> died and it was it was just this like one-two punch because you know Star Wars is my escapism it's it's what I where I go to like get away from the real world but as I was grieving a, a friend in real life I lost my favorite character of the High Republic and I was not okay for several days mm-hmm. like I was I was not okay because like Loden just represented so much light and hope to me and he was gone. And I've, I, I actually, that's why I started writing like a Loden and Bell fanfic. Um, it's called Fire and Thread. You can find it on AO3, go check it out. Because I wanted to just be with him longer. And using this character that represented so much good and the best of the Jedi actually really helped me overcome a lot of my own grief in my own personal life. 
because I was able to explore this past that's not here. On one hand, I say that's kind of a flaw is that we don't know these characters before Light of the Jedi. And I would love several prequel books to like mm-hmm. see like Loden and Stellan and Elzar and Avar and like all of them and Sai and Comac, like see them as Padawans more. Um, mm-hmm. I would love prequel books, but at the same time, that's open game to play with. To, to create and to play and mess with and tinker with. And I found a lot of healing through writing like Loden and Bell's journey of how they became master and Padawan and exploring what that meant. And it helped me heal. And this character has become like so important to me. I've just, I've fallen absolutely in love with Loden and Bell and their journey in the books and, to, and what they mean to me myself. And they helped me come to a point of healing and I can't, I can't thank them all enough. Like these luminous writers, they gave me this character that means so much to me for a multiple, like multitude of different reasons. Um, and I, I, I miss Loden all the time. And I'm very, very concerned because Charles Soule was like, yeah, it's nice to write Loden again after Rising Star came out. And I was like, why don't you post something like that? <laughs> what does that mean, Charles Soule? And I, I have to assume it's flashbacks, but part of me is hoping that they'll, connects with Loden again in the cosmic horrors. I really mm-hmm. want that to happen. My, I want baby boy Bell to be okay. <laughs> yeah, my small chaos child, chaos child Bell must be okay for big yeah. chaos idiot Loden. Yeah. I, it was hard because looking back now, especially, and especially in the most, when I dropped the Rising Storm episode, there's a part of it where I was like, Meg asked me if it was okay. And I was like, I am not okay. And then, like, one of the first things I said was, like, if anyone's listened to my Light of the Jedi thing, you know that Bell and Loden are my favorites, so I was not okay. Because <laughs> I had finished the book, like, that day that I recorded. So it was, like, really... Mm. Right off the reading of the book, like, fresh off the book emotional reaction. And and then looking back, for every episode, I feel like there was a moment where it was where I brought up Bell and Loden, and be, because we talk about, like, favorite characters or like I bring up my review because it was like one of the only ones I had out at that point and just I looking back I feel like all those guests they had read Rising Storm and they were just like looking at me like you poor sweet that, that was Brad and Arzu actually uh Brad from <laughs> Friends of the Force and Arzu from Space Waffles like they because they both got their copies early and they both yeah. knew like what huge fans and I was live tweeting them like in their DMs oh like, and so <laughs> Arzu <laughs> So like when Loden showed up in like Rising Storm, I was like, oh my god, Loden's here! And Bill, like Brad messaged me later. He was uh, after I finished the book. He was like, I felt so horrible watching how happy you yeah <laughs> during exactly. that entire thing. Exactly. And RJ like sent me like a, like a nice like little e, like like little e card like I'm sorry. I'm, I hope you're okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine being in their position, just walking to me, be like, yay, everything's okay. Just yeah, like, exactly. For the other shoe to drop. Props the to all my guests right now drop. for keeping it like chill, not saying like, Allie, we need to have a talk. Like, On one hand, I have to give it to them. Like they, yeah. they were really, really nice about it. Cause, <laughs> but, and I, and I thought about that. I was like, would I, would, would I have wanted to be spoiled? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh-huh. And and usually the answer is no, but part of me felt like I wanted to prepare for that. I actually, that was the first thing I did actually before I started reading Rising Storm is I messaged Arzu and I was like, I know you can't tell me details because like, mm. um, because, you know, NDAs and they get books early and stuff like that. And I was just, I just want a yes or no. Is it as bad as Rising Storm? And all she wrote back is no. And I was like, okay, I'm fine. I can read this book. <laughs> 
That's all I needed to know. I just wanted to make sure and prepare myself to cry. I just need to prepare myself. Don't yeah. tell me anything else because I know you can't, but I just needed to know whether or not I needed to prepare to cry again. <laughs> I would actually put out an argument that Belle is one of like the top like five main characters of High Republic. I would say him, Vernestra, and probably a toss-up between Avar, Stellan, and Keeve and mm. Elzar. And so I think so much of this story has been wrapped up in Bell's journey. I, I was thinking about it and he's been in the two adult books as one of the main characters straight mm. through. And so much of the, it has been wrapped around his journey and his coming of age. And seeing the artwork for Wave 3, I, that we have to assume that that's just going to keep going because he's clearly there. And I'm just, I'm so proud of this boy and what his journey has been. And just watching him just being this bright-eyed Padawan ready to be a knight. And that, and I think that's what hurts me so much about Rise and Storm mm-hmm. is the very last thing Loden says to him in Light of the Jedi, the very last thing that Loden says to Bell in Light of the Jedi is... Do not fear. I am so proud to have been your teacher. I look forward to celebrating your elevation, Jedi Knight Zedifar. I'm not your master anymore, Belle. You are Jedi Knight. But then we get Rising Storm, and he's still a Padawan. And it's it's a choice of grief. Because he still is holding on to that shred of hope that Loden is alive. And I, I, I do definitely want to shout out to Indira. Because Indira took on a Padawan that wasn't even hers. And was there to support Bell, be there for him, help him process this grief, and is fully willing to let him go understanding what Loden means to Bell and not trying to like shove herself in there and respecting that boundary. Like the moment that Loden or Bell senses Loden and Dara's like, yeah, go get him. <laughs> Just go get him, man. So I have to shout out to uh, Indira, but like, I, I love Bell's journey so much and, and what Loden means to him. Like they are such... I was trying to think, we haven't really had that many Master and Padawan stories because Wreath is separated from Jorah. We have Renestra and Emery, but that's a weird dynamic anyway because they're so close in age. Like they mm-hmm. don't have, like they have a weird power dynamic. And we get a little bit of Wreath and Comac and Out of the Shadows, but that's Renestra's book more. So we, we haven't really had that many like straight up master Padawan stories except for Loden and Bell and like what that power like means to them and like what that relationship means to them. And and that's actually like criticism I have of um right Crash Point Tower actually that goes into the higher the Star Wars High Republic Adventure comics because Sai and Lila have yet to have a single journey together <laughs> as Master and Padawan. So yeah, like I love them so much. And like, of course, Ember, Ember. I could ramble on about Loden forever. But I, I love the like those two characters. I love Belle and Loden and what they represent, what they mean, and Belle's journey. And I can't wait to see where Belle goes because Loden is still going to be a part of that. And he's still this catalyst going forward. When, when I heard Kevin say in his interview with Friends of the Forest that from the get-go, they always wrote Loden as a character that would die. Like that was always going to be his fate. That put a lot of perspective back into what came before and why he was such an important character because he's just this fixed point that is going to be a rallying cry 
going forward. And he keeps coming up. Like, Loden came up in the High Republic Adventures comics. Uh, Frizzala was worried about him. All the Padawans were worried about him, wondering if he was really gone. He was a known character. Uh, Wreath wanted to bring up Loden to Emery and Vernestra to and out of the shadows, but Loden was gone. And it's, it shows how important he was in the story as we're still moving forward, even though he's gone. Very intrigued why Charles Soule was like, it's nice to write him again. I'm very intrigued by what that means. So touching on what you said about master and apprentice relationships, I think that's that was like one of the many factors that contributed to why these two became my my favorites so quickly was like not not just getting like the amazingness of their individual journeys and their individual qualities but also their relationship and like like yeeting her out a lot of like I thought part of like like in Jedi still sticks with me so much I love yeah I love Indira's first line is like one of these days Loden's actually going to kill you their relationship is like so special to me and like I think I said this when I talked about Light of Jedi but there were many ways that it even reminded me of like Kanan and Ezra and so then like obviously mm-hmm. when we get the right storm I was like oh my god of course you always do this to me <laughs> like but you put it so well as to like why Lotus is so special so I don't want to like reiterate too much I-, I think just the way you phrase it like it's what the Jedi represents like what you want that like person to be like the person who like recognizes the ability like of someone to keep trying and like this believing in bell consistently and mm-hmm. being that like like as you were saying like so many characters know of this character like that just emphasizes just how much of an impact load has had and and also just to go even more in the rising storm territory like just the resilience that Loden shows throughout the book like that really emphasizes that so extremely like oh god i don't want to talk about it again but Oh my god, reading the torture scene in a car with my family. Oh my gosh, it's like the moment I like I realized that he lost his Leku, I, I audibly mm-hmm. gasped. Like I audibly gasped because mm-hmm. oh, 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 that, oh, that scene that's, is rough. rough. Mm, yeah, but but like the resilience he shows throughout the book. And then not only is individual resilience, but like the resilience in like tied to bell and like how much of a driving force like bell is for him too and that oh that just kills me every time it's just oh i'm i'm still really raw like i read this book like a few weeks ago and i'm still feel like i just finished it because it's just the emotions are so raw for me like i was so raw that i am well where am i 13 chapters and eighty one thousand words (laughs) that's how raw i was Allie. i created (laughs) Yeah, but yeah. I, I also very specifically like his appreciation and, and his humor too. Like we actually wouldn't have Ember if not for Loden, because it, it says on page one seventy, Indira treated her injury, Porter fed her, Bell named her, and Loden had allowed her to stay, declaring that the Force had brought them their new member of the team. It was a neat workaround to the Order's rule against forming attachments, because of course you were supposed to take care of your fellow team members. And make sure that they were safe and happy and well fed and their coat was brushed and well the jedi of alfrana alpos had all become extremely fond of the charhound rule or no rule <laughs> and that was loaded i mean like he did that because my reaction was so raw that day because i literally put down the book and i had like two hours to like cry process and then like podcast the part a big part of like if you listen to that episode like a big part of that raw reaction you hear in that throughout that episode is just me trying to like like 
either just ra- like not rationalize but like trying to tell myself it's okay like I was like oh but he had a support animal like I say something like that like, <laughs> I swear if anything okay. ever happens to Ember I will riot <laughs> riot exactly <laughs> I, I just I will not be okay I actually wanted to like specifically know when I saw your tweet today I like how optimistic you seem to be about Belle's future in that way where it's like oh now that this has happened he, there's more finality to it and he can move forward and take these next steps everyone else I've talked to including myself has been like oh god he's gonna be so wrecked now I am so worried for him so I'm hey, I like- see- so what I had tweeted um, is we, we just at the time of this recording they just released the covers of wave three mm-hmm. and I noticed that we can't see over Belle's left shoulder which is where his Padawan braid would be and it hit me that he was ready to be knighted at the end of Light of the Jedi when he was 18. Mm-hmm. Odin was like, I'm going to be there to knight you. And then a year later on, like with Rising Storm, he's still a Padawan, like I said, because he's grieving and he's still holding up this hope. And I and I like this idea that that resilience from Loden is in Bell. And now mm-hmm. that Bell has an official ending, he was he was with his master one last time. He has that that closure. I do think he could go forward. I I like how optimistic you are. And like, to what you were just saying, I think that actually would be a powerful and interesting, like as much as all the grief processing is interesting too, that would actually be like so interesting that, because like, it kind of goes back to like passing on what you learn where I feel like, he can be that character that has really like grown and gone through that whereas so now while everyone like Elzar and everyone else is breaking down he can be that one who is trying to be one of the ones who can be there for everyone more so because of his experience with it like for a longer period of time so I actually think that is an interesting like I kind of hope they go that way just because I don't need to see my fave in pain with like anymore please no one of my favorite things about Belle that I kind of, I, I just recently revisited because I was going through Light of the Jedi again is he has this fear of falling. Um, he mm. has this fear of not being able to control his fall, mm. but he can do it if it's for somebody else. He can't do it if, he, if it's for himself. But when, it's, if, when it comes to rescuing someone else, Bell steps up to the table and he steps up to bat and he, he overcomes all his fears for the benefits of other people. And that to me was something that, that is so clearly loaded. That's something that Loden put into him that like, it's okay to be, have these fears, but when it comes, it's don't let it stop you from, from saving someone else. And mm-hmm. that's when he controls his first fall is saving the, I think her name is B, saving B who got thrown mm-hmm. out. And that's when he does it for the first time. And we see him on Valo and Bell is just so take charge. He's on his own with Ember. He's trying to say, save Kip and Kip's future boyfriend, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, and it's his duty and he takes it upon himself. No questions asked. He doesn't need Stellan's direction. He doesn't need Indira there. He just mm-hmm. does it. He gets on a sinking ship and fights his way out and protects the chancellor's son and saves his life because it's what he does. And I, he, cause he, Bell is a character that rises to every occasion. Yeah. <laughs> That's just who Bell yeah. is. And he is the best boy. And that's how I kind of think of him. Like he is good boy TM always. He is best boy TM always. And and I say that jokingly, but it really is. Like Bell's best trait is his power that he can bring himself up to when it comes to other people. And, reg- and he's not a selfish character. He's not a, he's a very selfless character and he's happily will give his own to save other people. And we know that from Loden. 
Odin is happy to throw himself if it if it means saving someone else. Um, and sometimes that, that's even Martian's life to his sad demise. He had every chance to stop Martian right there and then, but he chose the Jedi way to hopefully give Martian a chance to redeem. And mm-hmm. it led to his own demise. Something I actually would love to, I, I have to wonder, because I've mused about this before. What would Bill do if he ever came face to face with Martian? And mm. I don't think Bell could could take Martian's life. I don't I think, think so either. Yeah, I, I think I think he would follow Loden in that path and mm-hmm. not take revenge, but offer forgiveness. Yeah, as long as he doesn't die too. If he dies, then I'm like, no, kill the. I used to be a Martian like like super stan. Like I loved that character, but the moment he killed Loden, I was like, nope, you're dead to me. Literally, my rising storm thing. I, there was a segment where I'm like, I know all my friends are like the biggest Martian stands, but I just can't now. Sorry. Like- I, I'm the same way. Like that they just released that cover of him holding the yellow lightsaber, and I'm like, and like it's Loden's lightsaber, and like the moment I saw him holding I'm like, it, no. I, I screamed. I was like, that's not yours. <laughs> I'm sorry to all our friends. I know you all love him, but I used to. Yeah, and to me, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually kind of interesting because, um, and I and I actually do feel that in Crash Point Tower too. Is there's a few times where it's come across where I can tell that these are different writers' hands. I will say, Martian and Light of the Jedi feels very different to me than Martian and Rising Storm, and it feels like two very different characters. And and maybe it's just because this is that the these two books are the two that we have the most of Martian. Yeah, and it's and I'm, I'm gonna preface this by saying it's totally okay if these are two different sides of Martian in the same character, but yeah. because these are our two biggest reference points, they just feel like two very different characters. And it was one of the first times that I just felt like. Like, Light of the Jedi Martian felt like he was playing, like, five-dimensional chess on, like, in, like, 20 steps ahead of everybody and, like, this mastermind planner. And then in Rising Storm, he just felt like a petulant teenager yelling at his dad's ghost. And they just felt like two very different characters to me. And to bring this back to Crash Point Tower, I felt like that a lot of the times, though, a little bit with, like, Lula and Zine, and, and more in the artwork when it comes to the comics, which I'll talk about when we get back there. Mm-hmm. But, like, there is a little bit of a disconnect happening between these books and stuff like that. It happens. It's, it's going to happen. It was something I was always expecting with these books being in so many different people's hands. Like, I'm reading Out of the Shadows, and Comac in this book does not feel like the same Comac in Into mm. Dark. But but not fully. It's not as it's not as much. It's it's just mostly not in Comac's head and out of the shadows, and that's the difference. Comac's acting the exact same way, but one we can see why, and the other one he's just like Fernestra's like he looks stone faced. But in Into the Dark, it's like he's stone faced, but here's his thoughts to back up why. And that's just to be expected with so so many people handling these characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marshawn knows what he did. We could talk about this for way Forever. too long because we're way too emotional <laughs> after hearing kevin talk about Loden's death over on friends of the force and like discussing it like i actually have a much more appreciation for the ending especially when it in relation to bell's journey yeah um yeah I, I have a much better relationship to that so i i actually kind of do want to do a follow piece of like all right kevin i'm sorry i was so mad <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I really, really do. It kind of goes back to, for me, like, 
what I said earlier about how I you're way more optimistic than me about Bell's future I think that's the reason why it was hurting so much for me too is the fact that I'm like oh god he's gonna spiral again he doesn't deserve that I love him so much so I, I think talking to you today too it helped that healing process a bit where I'm like okay we can have more optimism about Bell's future uh, the character nice. I think is spiraling is Vernestra actually I my non-spoiler explanation of Vernestra you have some toast right mm-hmm. and you have a knife and you just take a little slice of butter, just a little, and you only get one little pat of butter and you put it on your toast. Every chapter of Out of the Shadows is spreading Venestra a little bit more thinner and you feel it. It feels like you're just taking this one little slab of butter and you're spreading it more and more and more across toast. And you can feel it. You can just feel her every chapter just get a little bit thinner and a little bit thinner mentally. And that's what it feels like. She, from the get-go, from a test of courage, I was like, this girl is going to crash so hard because Aww. she is a prodigy and she is a Jedi Knight at, what, 15? And she has a Padawan at 16. I'm like, this child's going to crash so hard. And there's there's a great, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's a great moment where Komak looks at her and he's, she's just, and he's just like, tells her how it is. And I was like, yeah, thanks, Komak. You just had all my <laughs> thoughts on this. Thanks, Komak. Good job, man. So basically, basically picking Bell Loden and Vanessa as my faves was my ultimate downfall. Got it. Good. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no, no. Joking. The higher well, luckily, taught what, me not to get attached to characters at all. Actually, well, luckily, one of my my faves is Leox Giassian. He's just living his best life. Yeah. Leox is actually my second favorite character after Loden. So Wow. Okay. I love Leox. I love Leox. He's my ace king. Like, I felt so seen when I found out he was asexual like me. Like, I felt so seen. Like, reading him, his passage about how he views romance, I was just like, oh, it's my life! <laughs> like, I, I fell in love with Leox. And then, like, right under Leox, it's, like, Belle and, and Sai. And, like, but I, I love Leox. So, and he's just out there living his best life. <laughs> Go stand Leox. He's having a good time. <laughs> to any of our listeners who listen to this section, thank you for experiencing this time. <laughs> Thanks for crying. <laughs> but it was good. It was worth it. I hope people do listen to this because it, it's like therapy. It's fan therapy. Oh, Yum. So good. Good so fan good. If you, if you want to read like happier times of Bell and Loden, I have definitely written what 13 chapters <laughs> so far of it, um, of them, how they met and how they became like Bastard and Padawan. It's called Fire and Thread. It's over on AO3. Under- I will tag that below. They, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fluffiness, but there's also, I'm starting to get in drama and they're mm-hmm. currently in the thought temple at the time of this recording so <gasps> there's oh they go to castle on alley my gosh so let us now transition into talking about the book we came here to talk about Woo! today race therapy, to is fun. Tower. <laughs> therapy is great therapy is great yes. yeah so I like to kind of start all of these like discussions off with either talking about a general theme or a political thing or just something more general about about the book. For this, we kind of brought up earlier briefly how uh, to bridge our conversations, actually. So we talked a bit about how this book has like kind of ties in briefly to Rising Storm and it takes takes place in the same place. I guess I'm interested to hear like especially because we have such young characters in this book and you literally wrote down in your like little outline thing like they're the true heroes of Valor. So I guess they are. Your, like, your thoughts about like 
the story taking place in this time and like with these characters so i found it actually really interesting when you were like yeah you can read this before rising storm because i I don't necessarily agree with that i I just Um, know people who have and people who say you could so (laughs) oh interesting no i i actually had that i thought about like when ram showed up for like his like one chapter in rising storm (laughs) i actually had half a mind to be like what if i just stopped rising storm here Red Cross Point Tower oh. and then went back to Rising Storm. And I actually thought about it. I was like, I wonder how well that would work. Mm. Um, I didn't do it because I was wanting to, of course, punish myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. And I'm kind of, I think it is interesting because I don't think this could stand alone without Rising Storm as well. Couldn't see it standing on its own without Rising Storm because Rising Mm -hmm. Storm gave so much more context of what's going on. Yeah. But I do think it works other places because I could see someone read Into the Dark before Light of Jedi and be fine because they're such separate stories. Mm -hmm. But this is so intricately tied. And (laughs) I almost wish there was more Ram and Lula in Rising Storm because these are the real heroes. Everybody was effed in Avalo until they got the radio tower back up and that's when the tide of battle turned because they could then coordinate their attack before everyone else was just running around with like like space chickens with their heads <laughs> and but no like the moment that Ram got the tower back up Stellan's like let's go and the tide of battle turned and they were able to call the Chagrudans to come help them and it was because of Zine, Ram, and Lula and I, I kind of wish there was more of them in Rising Storm because they're the ones that saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it could have been way, way, way worse if not for these guys. But I, I think that's also kind of the theme too because Ram's whole thing is trying to see like the whole and not for the parts. Mm-hmm. And they, they were a part of Valo. And mm-hmm. I mean, like a part as in like the cog of the machine. <laughs> They were just one of the many cogs happening, but they were also like the most important cogs. So I, I, it's it's so interesting because I feel like these two are required reading together, where I feel like so many of the other ones can stand on their own, but I feel like these this and Rising Storm have to be together. What about yeah. you? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I just went by the Friends of the Force like re- like release order slash like what everyone else was kind of reading them as because like. Every, everyone knows I was like god knows who behind like because I was like almost all the books were out by the time I started catching up like honestly I think all of them were actually out by the time I started like finally fully catching up maybe I read like Tessa Kerr's before Out of the Shadows and this one came out but I, I I was so far behind so I'm like I wonder like if people have like a specific reading order I should do but I just ended up going by like the the basic like what everyone else did kind of order because that just seemed the easiest and no one was giving me better suggestions. <laughs> so I think I definitely agree like this order works best where you do read The Rising Storm first and then you read this one. But I, I just saw some people who were like, you could read either one of these because like it doesn't like spoil the everything about Rising Storm. But like I, I definitely agree because I think in terms of the stakes and in terms of like the general like way of like the story connectivity I definitely agree that like reading them in the order that we did works best especially because like 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 we were talking about like in terms of the stakes and the characters like 
reactions to it i while this book does a great job as you said earlier about like showing the impact on the characters at this time i think the fact that like you read rising storm and then you read this you know just how bad and this really is and it's like oh, oh. yeah <laughs> and, and also ty yorick ty yorick's floating between the two as yeah. well we, yeah, have, yeah, to, we yeah. have to mention her yeah um which i think she's so interesting because like she gets around elzar and she's just like f you buddy and then she's around ram and lula and, and she's like oh babies let me come here baby <laughs> i mean but like a little bit more like there's a great line where lula's like we're not younglings we're padawans and she's like whatever get on the dragon yes <laughs> but i love how much nicer she is to the kids but when yeah. elsa is around she's like i don't know if i want to mind meld with you i don't know where your mind's been <laughs> So something I was actually wondering because you were saying before that you haven't read the comics, no. and Lula and Zine and Sai are straight from uh, the High Republic adventures, and the whole opening with the three of them takes place on Zine's old old homeworld. And mm-hmm. I remember reading this for the first time, going, "If someone hasn't read the comics, are they going to be really confused by this?" And so were you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will I was- be fully honest. Okay, this book, it was fun. It was a quick read. I enjoyed it. So there's actually two points to this. First point, the first half of this book was kind of whack for me. Like, I kind of, I was like, okay, I'm kind of confused in a way for a lot of it. And I was like, I was having to like look back and forth between my notes and the book and like take, try to take my notes. Um, And like, I know that was like, that was my doing. Like, what did I know? Like, honestly, it's fine. But um, so, and but on the other side of the coin, for some reason, I, I don't know quite what it is, but, like, these characters felt so different in a way. I feel like it's because they were established already, and something about that made it feel like these characters were so fleshed out, even though they weren't, like, fleshed mm-hmm. out. Because, like, I, I talk about all the time how, like, I, I prefer A Test of Courage because I like more character-focused stories. And while this stuff has, this book has character stuff, it's still a lot more action-heavy than Test of Courage. But the one thing I think I do like about this book is for some reason, no matter how confused I was, I still liked the characters. So yes, I was like, I was really confused by like a lot of that, but I was also like, okay, I can like still put together the pieces in some form and these characters are still really likable in many different ways. So I'm still like, okay, I can roll with this. Yeah, especially the character of Zine. I was like, because on the surface, it's like, oh, she's force sensitive. Actually, I guess she's like a Padawan. But I was like, no, like she has this really intricate backstory where she was raised in the society where she had to hide her powers and she came late. So like the masters refused to train her. Yeah, I, I, read, I, read, um, <laughs> I read Maggie's review of this book and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I did not pick that up. <laughs> and then I thought I missed something in the book and then I'm like, oh, wait, no, there's more content with them. That was no. the moment I realized where I, that I was like, the one downfall of like saving the comics for last because I've been trying to catch up with the book so fast is here we are here we are this is the consequence and and like you know if I'm reading this I'm on what page am I on page 18 it's like Zine had been raised not to shut the Jedi uh blah 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 Lula and her friends Farzala in court you don't know who Farzala in court is they're not in the book (laughs) and so like I will say like that is probably the biggest I don't want to say danger of Mm. having a project like this Mm. um and and I I always joke about like corporate Disney. Like this is where High Republic feels very corporate to me. Because if you want the whole stories, you have to feel like get everything. Yeah, like, exactly. 
Another mm -hmm. example is Kingdom Hearts had this problem because um, Kingdom Hearts kept platform jumping so much that if you wanted just, you couldn't play Kingdom Hearts like one through three and all the games. You had to get like the 3DS, you had to get the PSP, you had, if you wanted to put, you had to get the phone game, if you wanted the full story. And you can feel that when you're missing stories. If you never played Birth by Sleep, when like, oh my gosh, I just blanked on Kingdom Hearts. Like when Aqua and and all them, and Terra and all of them show up in Kingdom Hearts 3, there's a chance you don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And and this book kind of feels like that. And I, so I was wondering as I was reading these opening scenes where they're going back to Zine's home world, I'm like, I can understand if people haven't read the High Adventure, uh, the High Republic Adventures comics, because the Adventures comics have had a stigma for so long that they're the kids' line. And I, I don't personally feel that way. I think the High Republic Adventures comics are some of the best of the High Republic stories. I, I personally love them. But like, a lot of people are not reading those and yeah. I can see where this would miss the mark on that. So I was very curious and to kind of like another gripe of mine is I'm holding up the book right now. I had no idea this was Lula and I was looking <laughs> at the artwork and I had no idea that that was Lula and Zine mm -hmm. because in the first arc of High Adventure, Republic Adventures, they look nothing like that. They actually look like little, little kids. They look like children. These are mm. teenagers. And so I didn't, I, like, so when Lula first showed up, I was like, oh, cool. And then it dawned on me that she was the character in all the artwork and that that was Dean in the final artwork in part three. And that's, that's a, a little, like, issue that I have going back and forth as well, because they look like little, little, little kids <laughs> in the first arc of High Adventures. But here they look like they're freaking 18 years old, which they're not. Belle's 18. Or mm -hmm. Belle's 18 in Light of the Jedi, they're, they're younger. Mm -hmm. um and the artwork not being consistent was really confusing for me and mm -hmm. it, it actually like made me like put off a little bit and like now um and they have a new artist in the the adventures comics now so they actually look like their crash point tower counterparts and it's, it's much more streamlined but it was a moment i was just like who's this person on the front is that <laughs> is this a new character and i was and then i was like oh hey it's lula mm -hmm. why is she looking so old what's going on yeah I I think the biggest point of it for me like kind of to that connection I was drawing earlier I feel like if this book had been as character focused as I felt like a test of courage was it would not have worked for me a lot like more I feel like because this book is just so action driven and so fast paced that it wasn't as big of a deal as I feel like it could have been if this had been even more character focused and less action heavy. And I think that's the biggest reason why I was able to shrug it off. Not shrug it off, but like be like, okay, yeah, this is book's still really enjoyable. It's kind of confusing at some points, but like, it's still a really fun book. So I, I think that's the one thing I can say about it. If anyone else who hasn't read the comics, if you haven't read this book, for some reason, why are you still listening? But like, read the comics first, just because like Hope said, it can be less confusing. But I'd also say if you don't have time to read the comics, or you're trying to catch up on the all the books first, like I am, it's totally fine too. This book is still really, really fun and really enjoyable. And you're going to be confused at some point and sit back and be like, oh, I don't know that person. But like, it, it, it doesn't take away from the, the story this book is trying to tell. Um, and, and here's the difference. I, I just pulled out a test of courage off my shelf. Uh, a test of courage is 50 more give or take roughly 50 pages longer than, <laughs> yeah roughly 50 pages longer than race to crash point tower race to crash point tower could have easily used another 50 pages that is true Fair like true. i i would have i would have liked it to be the same the the same length as the previous one because 
because I, I do think it was needed, especially in that opening part. And then some of it is just like personal things. Like I, I have to talk about my love, Cantum Sai, for a minute because I fall in love with this character. And prior to Light of the Jedi, that's unknown territory. We don't know anything about these people that before that point. And I've been wanting more Cantum Sai. I've fallen in love with them and I love them so much. I think that they have potentially like such an interesting character because in the comics, they on the surface seem like a very kind, sensitive person. Like they're talking baking tips with buckets of blood. But then the moment that they're in a vector, they're a badass. And like, they are just commanding the battlefield. And so then we get this introduction to them and the book where it says, Jedi Master Cantum Side passed peace back and forth on the deck of the Starhopper. Sai was tall and slender with sharp cheekbones and oppressive top knot. They seem older than their actual age, in part because they often walk startlingly slow as form of a meditation. But Lula has seen Master Sai in action, and that gentle, easygoing demeanor was nowhere to be seen when lives were on the line. And I like that there's just so much in that one paragraph. But mm-hmm. it also got me thinking between like this book and the adventures comics of is Lula and Sai have yet to have a single adventure together that we've seen. And I remember I was talking with somebody on Twitter last week about this and they didn't like, he didn't even know that Lula was Sai's Padawan because Sai's always around all the students with Lula in the comics. Mm -hmm. And they've said a few times like, oh, like where's my Padawan in reference to Lula. But we have yet to see the two of them by themselves. They're almost always with Lula and Zine. And it's also kind of confusing because at one point, like, they talk about how Sai has Padawans, plural, which is <laughs> the rules. And I don't know if that's a typo, and I can't remember if it's this book or the comics, but I remember seeing that going, that can't be right. They can't have more than one Padawan. What's happening here? <laughs> so I really, like, I want so much more of Sai. And I know mm-hmm. that we're going to be getting it soon because Yalaki, who is a great artist online, actually did a commission for me at Comac and Sai together because of my fan fiction, like, make them kiss and stuff. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. Well, the moment I found out Comac is gay, it's very natural for queer characters to yeah, come yeah, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. But I, when I tweeted out that image of Comac and Sai together, Daniel Jose Order was like, that's so funny. I just wrote a scene with Sai and Comac together. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I screamed. I was like, really? And I was like, Daniel, you're a wizard. How did you know this was my ship that I created based off nothing? <laughs> Other than the fact that Comac is gay and Sai is non-binary. And I was like, put the queers together. Because, <laughs> but yeah, they just naturally fit together. And I was like, how did you know that they were my ship, you wizard? <laughs> so I, I, I have a feeling we're going to be getting more Sai content soon, but... Mm. It really gets to me here in Crash Point Tower because this, outside of the comics, this is Sai's first real introduction and they're still not doing much. And I, I was having this co- conversation with Arzu, which is there's a lot of focus on the Padawans. And don't get me wrong, the Padawans are great. But because these are a lot of these are YA and middle grade book, the only time that we really get time with the adults is in the, the quote unquote adult line. Because the YA books are going to be more about the teenagers. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like Reef and Vernestra and Emery. And, and then so far in the, the middle grade books, like they're like Lula, Vernestra, Emery, Zine. Um, and same thing with the Adventures comics, which is the kids are the main characters. And when you get to like the adult line, really Belle's the only Padawan there. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else is the adults. And so I, I really do want to see more, spend more time with these adult characters. Mm-hmm. I am a 34-year-old woman. I want to see Comac and Stellan and Sai and, and all of them just like on adventures of for them and have these kind of more stories towards them as well. So 
the little nuggets of Psy we got here, I really loved because I love the potential of this character, but I want so much for them as an individual. And I want so much of them with Lula because we don't have them and Lula together on an adventure yet at the time of this recording. Yeah, I feel like I want to see more of all of these characters. Like, as much as I love, like, like I was saying earlier, as much as I love all those other characters that we've spent a lot more time with, like some of these characters that we've spent less time with, I'm like, I want to see more of them. It's just another reason I'm excited to finally get to the comics. That's like, true. Like, if you're not reading the comics, like, Scare and, Scare and Keeve are, like, not on the radar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and like, and, and Avar's been like leading the Dringir fight in the comics, you know, like at least Avar's been in Light of the Jedi, you know? Yeah. But like, like Keem and Skier are just not on the radar except for like Skier's one scene in like Light of the Jedi where Jorah dies. And he's just like, no, oh, ah. uh, that's it. <laughs> I honestly am surprised that I, I hadn't seen more tweets about people being like emphasizing the importance of reading the comics because like, it's not that I didn't think it was important to read them at the same time, but I just, I felt usually it's just the way that people were talking about the content. It felt like the books were being made a priority. Mm-hmm. And, and also just the way that like, speaking of podcasting, that's like what podcasters have been covering. Like, What's so- interesting about that is that more, that's more of a fan thing. Cause I, I, I want to say it's Kevin, but it might've been Charles or Daniel, <laughs> but one of them were saying that like somebody was like, oh yeah, like the mainline books. And they were like, there is no mainline books. It's one, all one story. We don't yeah. write them to be a mainline. Like it's yeah. all the same story. There's a line here where it's like, Vanessa smiled. Take Master Sire, Francine. Would you like to, would you try to save them if their lives were in danger? Of course, Lula said. Master Sai was one of the people Lula loved most in the whole world. Really? <laughs> like, like, okay. Really? <laughs> I'll believe you, child, but you haven't given me much to go on. <laughs> Give me more. I actually really, really, really want to see Lula with some of the different aged Padawans. I think it'd be interesting to see her with like Wreath or even Belle. I actually really want to see Lula and Belle together. I think to have her with like an older Padawan. One of the most fascinating things about this is Vernestra in this book. I really love Lula's journey. Uh, Like just... Vernestra's an intimidating character, you know? Like, she was a Jedi Knight at 15. She has her own Padawan at 16. Like, she's kind of intimidating. I think she's 17 in this book. But I love this entire scene, like the moment Vernestra shows up, Lula's just like, whoa, <laughs> I'm insecure now. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I also really like Vernestra's role. And I, and I think that we get a little bit of that in Out of the Shadows, too. Like the mildest of spoilers. It's like right at the beginning where Wreath is like, hey, my friend Vernestra, who I'm older than, but I'm still a Padawan and you're a Jedi Knight with a Padawan that's younger than me. Hey. <laughs> And I, so I've been wanting to see more of that, like, interaction with Vanestra because these people are her age group, and she's, like, way outranked them. But I like how Vanestra handles it. I like her just being this mentor character to Lula for, Mm -hmm. and actually really setting up Lula for the rest of the story of being, like, you know, it's all about finding balance. The whole story is about Lula finding her balance for the story of like mm-hmm. between her attachments versus do- her duty. It's a really, really good story. Mm-hmm. That whole, like those like three or four pages between them and, and that main part, like you know, you're talking about where they're talking about like the mentoring about like being a Jedi is about like finding balance. It's not like you're not supposed to not feel anything, but the important thing is that we find balance for that. And, and like, like I like that 
there's still that moment of mentorship because like it, it wasn't just jealousy jealousy <laughs> that was all it was like like there was there was a moment between them where she was learning from her and she seemed like ex- like open to the advice and i relate to the i relate to lula i guess like it's hard when you're working your hardest you're trying your best and you want to accomplish the things and other people are <laughs> like people are younger less experienced or getting those opportunities like that's something we all kind of have to deal with and and mm-hmm. one interesting part for lula i think that like ties into that is there's a number of points where Lula notes like oh this isn't Jedi like of me to be doing this but I'm doing it but I'm still gonna do it like like just the fact that she yeah, openly she's acknowledges like, she's like, like 15 or something that's a very normal like 14 15 ish year old thing to do the fact that she like she's able to acknowledge it but at the same time like she's like she still has those like feelings like that's not gonna stop her she had like I, I thought that was interesting that she had like the maturity to recognize that but she's still gonna let herself like feel those things and be open about it and in open to Vanessa about it it can be so like encompassing in that way where it's like because I, I saw like I think it was Maggie or Arzu. I read both of reviews recently. So one of them noted the fact like Lula is similar to Anakin in that way, where it's like, mm-hmm. y- you want all the things and you're like, but you also could like have people around you telling you that's not like the way that you should fully be acting, but like, you're still going to act that way. But I, for Lula in particular, like the fact that like, she's still, like I was saying, like she's still, steps back at those points I think is important and I'm glad that she's able to do that while still letting herself like be open about those challenges and like how it's kind of weird that she's doing that when she shouldn't be doing that I mean I'm a very firm believer that Anakin Skywalker would thrive in this world yes exactly and like the two examples that stand out to me one is from Rising Storm where Elzar uses the dark side and the first thing he does is go to Stella and go I touched the dark side help me (laughs) help me bro and then the other one is actually ram i love the opening passage with ram and the i like it's like page page five where he's working through his powers with force and Mm. and working his way through machines i just kept sitting there going this is how anakin sees the force this right here this is exactly Mm. how like working through each piece in the part i'm like this is so anakin skywalker right here (laughs) and i just can't get over the fact how much that anakin just would have thrived in the high republic because he would have been like oh no i don't agree with you guys i'll just guess i'll go be a way seeker then bye bye exactly (laughs) yeah and i really like ram's journey too I, i was saying earlier how personal it was and it was the scene where him and Lula get up on the rooftops finally after yes. climbing up and they're mm-hmm. just looking over the battlefield and him just like coming down on him and like he just doesn't have the words to describe what is happening to his home. Like he doesn't even realize he's crying. Like it's cr- like stuff yeah. like that. Oh my God, it really gets me. And he's just such an interesting character because like several points first point i continue to love just the amount of like like a diversity of characters we're seeing like going back to like into the dark like with wreath and how like wreath wasn't always craving adventure and he liked being more into the archives like that custom like that and now you have ram who prefers to be more alone in the garage tinkering with things like isn't is as involved in engaging that connection like he finds connection and openness and connectivity in the force like himself more open to the force in that like environment and and then transitioning into like those later moments where 
because the story like it's ultimately about while he does for her and it's kind of similar to reef in that way like reef goes through the book he starts the book he's like i don't want to go out and do all these things but by the end of the book he's like yeah adventures are scary you don't want to always seek those out those are rough but at the same time stories still need to be told people still need to like stand up and do things and like take action like he acknowledges where he started but he also acknowledges like where he's went and i think i see that with ram in the way where it's like he starts out like i prefer to be in the garage alone but at the same time he still lets himself like make friends in this book like he connects with lula and like he he goes out there he goes out into like like let's go face whatever's next like yeah he still has those qualities that he starts with but like he still is open to these new experiences and what he's grabbed from the journey so yeah i i love that i i have to mention too because i have the audiobook as well and ram is so adorably awkward (laughs) (laughs) like the first time i i was listening to the audiobook the first time he meets z and he was just like don't be a loser and he's just like hey (laughs) (laughs) he's so cute but like i actually listened to the scene where he saw his his home destroyed when the, mm. they were on the rooftops and it's such a good scene in the audiobook mm. it's so emotional and I, I wish i i was trying to find who did the audiobook their reading of that scene is so good because they just put so much emotion into ram's acting in that scene i also must say if you want to cry <laughs> listen to mark thompson do belmont's reunion and rising storm I saw. Uh, I was crying. <laughs> Mark Thompson acted the heck out of Bell in that scene. So good. I, I don't want to go through it now just to torture myself. <laughs> but like the audiobook, and actually for all of the High Republic books, the audiobooks have been so stellar. I, I haven't had a chance to get to Tempest Runner yet because it's different than being a, an actual stage play, not a stage mm-hmm. play, I, um, audio drama. <laughs> so it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, same difference but the audiobooks have been great and they have like all these battle sounds in the background and like you can hear just like everything raging around lula and ram so yeah like definitely i i if you can get your hands on the audiobooks i definitely yeah that's been the really hard thing because i like i like having the physical copies but at the same time everyone keeps talking about how good the audiobooks are and i'm like do i really want to buy like two copies of every book <laughs> like i don't know how dedicated i am <laughs> The one thing I really kind of wanted to point out to these books, and I'm on chapter 10 on page 85, this stuck out to me, but this also felt very timely with a lot of Star Wars books. It says, the stars stream past a galaxy, a blur once more. Would things ever slow down, Lula wondered? They jumped to hyperspace and the star hopper was probably right behind them. They would emerge into some kind of mess about to unfold. That seemed for sure. And Zane and Master Sai would be thrust into danger. And who knows what was going on with Farzala and Court and the others. And that passage stood out to me because it actually reminded me so much of a conversation that Ahsoka and Barris had in Clone Wars, where a lot of these stories, because it's Star Wars, a lot of these coming of age stories are in wartime. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of that conversation with, um, it was the Geonosis arc where the zombie bugs were on the ship with them. And Ahsoka was like, I don't know what to do when it's quiet. Like, I just hear battle. Like, she was pretty much saying she had PTSD. And they were having these conversations. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Star Wars in a lot of ways, because so many of these coming of age stories are wrapped up in trauma. Mm -hmm. And same thing with Luke, same thing with Kaz, same thing with Ezra. And I just love these stories because... 
it also reminds me of stories like Shira, but like so many of these stories of like child soldiers growing up in wartime and how it shapes them just really are are interesting to me because Lula has not stopped the moment we've seen her. Like we don't know her life prior to the, the great disaster because, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was just her hanging out with her friends, having a good time and training and stuff like that because of the little snippets that we've seen. But so many of these children are growing up in wartime and they're becoming these child soldiers. And like, mm-hmm. she, while it's cool and badass that she's jumping from ship to ship and fighting, these are all traumas afflicting to her. Mm-hmm. And that, like, there's going to be moments where she sits down later and just goes, oh God, what just happened? I want to see more of those kind of after effects. And that's one of the things that I really like about A Test of Courage because it is just handling grief. Yeah. I Actually, the only other thing is I kind of wish we had more zine. She's just sort of there. That too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, we have the opening segment where she gets to go home, but they only spend like a chapter and a half there. And then she's just kind of off riding a dragon and pew-pewing things. And I'm like, I know so much of this is Lula's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. like Zine is now also like a big part of Lula's life. And, you know, going back to her destroyed home world to immediately go into a battle, I, I just, that's where I wish we had the extra 50 pages, like to have and like a, a little In bit terms of, of like where I'm at and how I haven't read the comics, that was the thing for me too, where I was like, oh my God, it's a new character. I want to learn so much about this character. And then this character just disappears. It's gone. I'm like, yeah, why should you care? What happened to this person? Like what happened to her? Why should you care? So yeah. And and that's kind of the thing. Like, unless you read the comics, like why should you care about Zane? You don't know her. (laughs) You don't know her. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I, I might, I might sound mean, but I'm saying that like as a hypothetical, like as a reader who might not know this, like the book doesn't give you much of like why you should care about Zane. It just, I, I know why I should care about Zane. I've been reading the comics. I know why she's great and why she and Lula should be cute little girlfriends going on like malt dates with each other and Sai sitting like three booths over to make sure they don't get up to like any hijinks um but like but like yeah like the book doesn't give you a reason to to like for a new reader to care about seeing she's just kind of there and she just pew pews at things again like that's where I feel like the opening well you said it like you were confused yeah yeah and that's why I I think my first reaction to reading this book was like wow it was so fun because like I I think for me, it is a fun book. I, it's yeah. this book that was like the takeaway I had, like, and that's why I keep emphasizing like, the action adventure kind of element of the book because, like, it was fun in terms of the like the characterization we do get with like like the stuff with Lula and Vanessa and with Lamb, like the stuff we've been talking about, that kind of stuff. Love that stuff, but like in terms of those other characters, we haven't I haven't seen as much because I haven't read the comics. I can't really say that much because they're just not in this book a ton. And there are elements of this book where I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, so I don't as fully understand this, but that didn't make it like a bad book for me. Like I didn't like finish this book and I was like, oh wow, because I didn't know all this stuff. I feel like I can't like say this was a good book. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I still really enjoyed this book despite not reading the comics. I feel uh, like it needed an extra like 25 to 30 pages in the front end and then an extra like kind of 10 pages in the back because it just kind of ends it's like wow that was a venture yeah. I'm gonna go off and be friends with people the yeah end. and I'm like and like the, I don't even think the battle's done because I have the free comic book day single issue and they're still at Mallow fighting <laughs> And I would have liked to see Isai come back because they're amazing. 
can't I am very proudly at the time of this recording have the only Cantum Psy fanfic on AO3 <laughs> and it's in my Loden because they're they're a main character of my Loden Velfic. What so. are you all doing? Fanfic writers. What are you doing? It's so actually, like, I'm actually really surprised there's not my a lot excuse of, like, is I'm not caught up, so I'm not writing. Like, no, but there's so actually not a lot of high republic fanfics on AO3. I'm actually really surprised. <laughs> no. and, and almost all of them are like Elzar Avar. And or Stalin is there too. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Either OTP or OT3, like it's mostly them. Yeah, or, or it's like how Bell met Ember, which well, actually there was. A really <laughs> fun of that. I, I can't, I can't make fun. I, I'm not making fun of that because I did read a really, really cute. It's called the Charhound Chronicles, and it's how Bell met Ember, and it was like super adorable. And I was like, I love it. Oh my god! <laughs> or this a puppy Ember just being like, hi guys, and they're all just like, oh god, it's cute. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's another reason I've honestly been breezing through these books. It's not just a podcast about them, and it's not just to be caught up to be caught up. It's all of those other aspects of fandom. Like, I have not been looking at High Republic Twitter at all. I have not been reading fanfic. I've not been doing, like, all these other things because I've been trying to avoid spoilers so much. So I'm like, can't wait to finally be all the way caught up until, like, the next wave drops and I fall behind again because I'm going to be in college and I'm going to be way too busy uh, for my life. Which I'm going like, so poor. I'm already poor and everything I've bought this year has just been High Republic books. It's the only exact thing I bought. Same, same. That and food. That's my, that's my income. That's going to be food. my budget too soon. <laughs> Literally, no My way. monthly comics is High Republic and food. That's food, my income. Yeah. In terms of like the levity and action adventure, I'd say the Drengear and V18 both stand out for me just because they're chaotic and they say great things. <laughs> the fact that Drengear can fly a spaceship. Literally, yes. Exactly. Just fly, they just fly into the sunset and they're just watching it like, okay, well, bye, Drengear. They bye. just fly into the sunset. <laughs> no, it's just like, but that's also a really scary thing because like part of the thing is. The Dringear can have been planet hopping and digging over planets. And I'm like, oh God, they can fly now. Oh no. I was talking about Into the Dark with Kat and Kat was like, no, not to spoil you much, but the Dringear are like taking over the galaxy. And I'm like, what? What are they doing now? It's like, I hadn't read the comics or Race Across Point. And I was like, excuse me, they're doing what? I just love their, their, their meat. Just like, this meat is talkative. Talkative meat is quite often chewy, I find. Has fancy lights or, mm, ah, those meats are especially testy, but also succulent, so I've heard. Mmm, a collective rose. <laughs> <laughs> they really do sound like snooty, like, like food critics. Like, I just want to pair this meat with a fine white wine, but if it's, if it's too chewy, it's not going to be good. And then Gordon Ramsay comes in going, the meat is raw! <laughs> Someone yes. please make that. So the first time, okay, so I, like I said, I, I get the audiobooks. So mm-hmm. the first time the drinker talked, I was on audiobooks listening to that scene, scared the crap out of me because <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting them to talk. So I'm just like driving down the road. And so like, they start talking to Reese and I was just like, ah, let me talk. And so it was so scary because they have this like, talking into the dark now, they have this kind of weird, like, like whispery, 
almost Frankensteinish, but very like scratchy voice. And it's like, like, oh, the meats are here. Do you talk meat? It's like, it's really creepy. And I was not expecting them to talk suddenly. And then you get to this book and they're just like, oh, meat, let's get the tasty meats. They're so succulent. Watch, watch it. I'm just, and I, I, that's the one scene I didn't listen to audiobook. And I really need to go back and listen to it. So I'm really interested to see how they're phrased in this book because it's, it is a middle grade book. And yeah. oh, I can't believe I didn't <laughs> listen to that scene. I'm so disappointed with myself because I go back and forth. If I'm driving, I listen to audiobook and then I get home and I start reading again where I left off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I love the drinking gear in this book. They're so good. <laughs> I am interested in seeing Ram going forward because he's um, in the High Republic Adventures comics now. Like, he's officially part of that crew. And that's such a fun crew. I really think he's going to get along really well with like Court and Persala, especially. I'm, I am interested to see where they go with this character. As, as I'm interested with all the Padawans in this age, I think this is going to be a very interesting age for Padawans. I can't wait to see what happens to Ram. He's a, he's a sweet kid, and now that he's off Velo for the first time mm-hmm. in a bigger galaxy, I think he's going to have a really fun journey going forward in the comics. Yes. Yes. Yeah, like I said earlier, like I, I just like characters who are like like interesting like that, who are like not your typical, like... Pew pew, let's go fight. I mean, that's why I love Tex so much in Bad Batch. Like, Tex my fa- one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, Batch. exactly, yeah. Yeah. Like, one of the, like, aspects of his Force using, too, is, like, there's even, like, one line where he's, like, the way that, like, what's the point of having weird Force abilities if you're not going to, like, use them with tech stuff? And I'm, like, it's, like, stuff like that. It's, like, using the- those abilities to heighten your passions. Like, that's just something I, I like to see, like, it- where it's, like, the Force isn't just the Force because it's the Force for, like, Jedi stuff. But, like, we can use it for our passions. And we're, like, yes, because that would be me. If I could, like, use the Force to heighten my passions, I would do it. So, yeah. Really? Ram should be Elzar's Padawan. My god honestly yes yeah because elzar is the same way like he hates using the force the same way twice yeah. he always wants to tinker with the yes. force and find new ways of using it mm-hmm. and oh my god ram should be elzar's padawan <laughs> oh wait you, you you've spoken so much into existence already apparently so there we go we just spoke into existence come up <laughs> i swear to god if daniel writes Comac and Zai, like, together. <laughs> I will die, Ali. I will die. But no, like, like oh, serious, joking aside. Or at least meet, because that's true. Like, Ram is always tinkering, and so is Elzar, but he's tinkering the fourth force in a more powerful, mystical way, while mm-hmm. Ram is very much, like, in the physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that would be so interesting to see Elzar and Ram together, because they, they really... It's, a lot, it's the same, but different. Like, they both see it the same way, but just... In, in execution different ways. Um, oh, wow. Wow. I want to see them together. <laughs> oh, <my> crap. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Just like this book, I think this is the most fun I've had one of these because all these other books, well, because like, like what well, we said in the beginning, this does have emotional love. So this was definitely the book with the most levity so far. All the other discussions I've had on these podcasts so far have been like, let's talk about all the processing of grief and the cry forever. <laughs> So say if if you have read this book but you have not read this High Republic Adventures comics, it has very much the same feel. It is a very fun, levity-filled book, but still has emotional moments and deep moments. But it's still like you have you'll go from like Farzala questioning life and like remembering like um like processing being alone, but then you'll also have like images of like 
buckets of blood just yelling like buckets of blood is in the house <laughs> and, and stuff so like if you like race to crash point tower you should definitely check out um the higher public adventures comics because they're so good it has these characters and it's the exact same kind of action adventure fun levity thrill ride yeah honestly at this point if i see any more comments on twitter about like should I read the comics? Just plugging this episode because, like, this whole episode has yes. become one big reason why you should read the comics. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> you want? Did, oh, you haven't read the comics, so <gasps> can I spoil something for you? Because I lost my Go, mind. Do it. I don't care. <laughs> do you want to know who Size Master was? Who? Wait. Spoiler for the comics. Yeah. Uh, for Size Master was Yoda. Oh. Oh, your face. <laughs> Oh, okay. And, and that's cool because I was like, wow, I could just see Yoda just being like, Dooku, you're not as cool as my last paddle on Sai. <laughs> I thought that's so cool to think about. And like, now I want to see like paddle on Sai under Yoda and like what that relationship looks like. When the Adventures comics open, Sai's not even in until issues, I think, four. And so the first three issues, Lula is with Yoda and Buck. And they're all traveling together and they're like a little class trip. And ah. Sai's not even there. And I don't even think they say that Lula is their Padawan until like issue like five, I think. Mm-hmm. Five or six. Like, and so it's so unclear how this process works because Lula is clearly with Yoda and Buck. But Sai is apparently on Starlight Beacon and their <laughs> Padawan is not there. <laughs> like it's so like that that's something I want to see get cleared up because mm-hmm. it's very confusing that kind of like dynamic so i am honestly surprised i hadn't seen more comments about this just because like you said earlier like you can't like expect that everyone's gonna like either think they have to read or like choose to read the comics Mm -hmm. and like i i think that's the big takeaway from this for me too i'm like okay i gotta read some comics and i i was planning on it like but now i kind of want to like read them even sooner than i was planning on just because of that extra context the trade for the Marvel run and the, the first trade for that, I think the Avengers one is about to come out. Um, the Marvel one's already out for book one, but the, the trade for the Avengers one, I think, is out in October, I'm wanting to say. But, like, just something like that, like, the kind of weird murkiness. Like, we didn't even meet, for like, Farzala's master until, like, issue seven or eight because he's traveling with Buck and Yoda on their class trip. <laughs> it's not clear at all of how that works. Like, I didn't know they were Padawans. I just thought they were younglings, like younglings who didn't have masters. Mm-hmm. And suddenly in like issue four, Sai shows up and, and they're Lula's master. And then like Farzala's master shows up in like issue seven. I'm like, wait, they're Padawans? What mm-hmm. is this? It's so, and, I, and that's where I think like, why like Loden and Bell stand out so much because they're clearly defined as master and apprentice it's yeah. clearly there and it's that very traditional Anakin Obi-Wan Kanan Ezra yeah. Ahsoka Anakin like it's a yeah. very clearly defined relationship but the adventures comics are, are a little bit muddled about that like why are they on a class trip where are their masters why are they with Buck and Yoda I thought they were younglings oh they're Padawans what's going on like where are their masters? <laughs> like it's it's not very clear which is why we need more adventures of Lula and Sai together. And then they'll go to the malt, malt shop and Lula will have a nice date with Zine and Sai will have a nice date with Kovac and it'll be great. They'll be chaperoning. There's a Padawan prom. <gasps> there needs to be a Padawan prom! <laughs> oh, this is going to be all the new art ideas today. I'm, I'm currently working on something so I can't start them immediately, but it's happening. <laughs> 
I'm finally getting into the High Republic art now. And, and you like, want me to be on your show as I throw out this nonsense? Guys. No, this is fun. Like I said, this is fun. I needed this. If I was about to come on and have another discussion about grief and suffering, I probably, well, I mean, we did that I mean, too. It was a balance today. We got the balance. I didn't have that prior. Everything else was just sad town. All these <laughs> sad. That's true. And that was the point of Lula's journey was finding balance. There we go. We've come full circle. Come full circle. We had our sad memorial and now we've had some laughing about drum gear and Padawan proms and all that weird stuff. Padawan prom! <laughs> all right. Why do you want me on your show? Because it's fun! Why are you questioning why I have you on? Oh my god. (laughs) I love you very much. And I thought you appreciated this because you finally got to talk about High Republic stuff on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I I, god, yeah, that's the downside of doing an animation podcast is Chris, my my co-podcaster Chris, doesn't read any of the books. So I did have a special episode, one one special episode for Wave One with Arzu, but I I haven't had a chance to talk with people, and I just like wanting to talk with people because I just do. I do yeah, uh Maria is waiting till all the books are out, which God knows how long that will take. What? I don't know why that's her plan, but we're just about to like wave three is the end of phase one. There are I two know, more I phases. Like, how are you doing? Oh my god! Why do you think I've been having all these guests on? Like, oh God, Maria, if we wait to podcast about all this, it's like we're gonna be podcasting about it like three years from now or something. You're gonna be like my age. I'm yeah. gonna be old. <laughs> like the time you had TV Star Wars will be out by then. Yeah. And so I'm in the boat of co-podcaster not reading the books currently. So we're here. Yeah. It's all good. So yeah. on that note, thank you for joining me and I'm, contributing to the me. guest list of awesome people that I've had so far to help talk about these books with. Because then people don't have to listen to me sit in front of a microphone by myself and talk about a book, which who wants I need to, to be on one more time. So then we're both reigning champions on each other's shows. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I still have <laughs> you, I still have you slated for Flix and Orca whenever that happens. It will happen eventually. We just got to get through all the main characters first. We're, we're slowly, slowly making progress on that. Also, Amphibia season three. Oh, well, if we count my YouTube channel, you are the reigning champion. I was I'm only reigning counting champion! Oh, okay. everybody, I'm reigning champion. Mm-mm. Gosh. Yeah, you better you better leave this in. I am reigning champion. I guess, I know, I guess you yeah. counted all your podcasts for me, so I might as well count my YouTube channel. That's not like a podcast, whatever. Oh, my goodness gracious, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you for having me on. This was a ton of fun. Yes, yes, definitely needed this. I've been in pain for the last week. <laughs> Pain. Yeah, <laughs> quite honey. literal pain. I've been in emotional pain because of the rising storm and physical pain because of surgery. Yay! Pain. Yeah. yeah. I know you're the reigning champion, so everyone's already heard this spiel before, but where can people find you and everything you do? I actually, this is a new one. I'm actually an official writer for the Geeky Waffle now. Yay! Um, so I am wa- writing with the waffles. Uh, you can find all that over. I'm actually doing Owl House reviews when the show is running. And so you can find me over at the Geeky Waffle. I have two podcasts. The Star Wars one is called J-Guys and Jedi, which I do with my friend Chris. We have already done all of Clone Wars. We've done all of Rebels. And we're finishing up Resistance. Um, we're like a few episodes away from finishing Resistance. Um, and get, and Ali was a guest on Hunt for Seltzer 3, where we created Darth Buggles, much to her chagrin. Like. Um, so <laughs> but yeah, you can find that over at J-Guys and Jedi. And I also have an, an animation podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, which Ali has also been on, finishing up Gravity Falls. And we're about to start Avatar The Last Airbender, because <laughs> I forced my friend Chris to watch my favorite animated shows. He's going to watch Avatar for the first time. So you can find that over at Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. 
As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Allie underscore M underscore Andrews. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Knights of Ren, on Instagram at Knights underscore of Ren. If you'd like to support the podcast and everything that Maria and I do, you can do so via Patreon or Ko-fi. Both of those links are in the episode description. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you come back next time to listen to us talk more Star Wars. Thank you. Bye. Bye.